How's it going today, guys? Once again, I'm back here live in the studio. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Tuesday, February 12th, 2019. Um, going solo on today's podcast, guys. I'm back here like James Harden when everybody's out going solo once again. So, uh, got a good show for you all today. Got lots of stuff covering all three big sports here MLB, NBA, um, NFL. All kinds of stuff on all the forefronts. Just want to say this. What a weekend this weekend in Tallahassee. Can't believe Florida State pulled that one out. We were down like 10 points, I think, with like three minutes left or something like that. Somehow pulled it out. is crazy. Great win for the team. Huge win over Louisville. So, got to love seeing that. Unfortunately, like I said, I'm on my own today. But got lots of good stuff for you all. So, let's get down to it. So, typically, I would not start my podcast out talking about baseball. I mean, you all know, big baseball fan. But typically, I don't start out talking about baseball. But... We're going to go in a different direction today, and we're going to talk about baseball first, and I think this is a pretty big headline, actually, yesterday. So, Justin Verlander says the system's broken with over 100 MLB free agents um, currently left unsigned, so he tweeted this off. He said, 100 or so free agents left unsigned. System is broken. They blame rebuilding, but that's BS. You're telling me you couldn't sign Bryce or Manny for 10 years and go from there? Seems like a good place to start rebuilding. 26 to 30, or 26 to 36 is a great performance window, too. Um, I'm going to be honest, guys. I agree with Verlander here is the first thing I got to say. I cannot believe that these guys have not been signed. Like I've always been saying, I mean, what have we been waiting for? What we've been waiting for is we've been waiting for Bryce Harper and Manny Machado to get signed. I mean, they're the pieces that have to fall. Nobody's going to make any other moves till these guys are signed. It's been coming out all week long. They're not getting the money they want. And, I mean, we know, we've seen, it's not worth signing people to these $300 million contracts. I mean, it has not worked in the past. You go look at... Um, Mike Stanton or Giancarlo Stanton as he goes by nowadays. I don't know why I called him Mike. I mean, when I first when I first started watching him come up, that was going by. But Giancarlo Stanton, I mean, really hasn't worked out with him. He was not that great this year in New York. Uh, you go look at other players across the board. You go look at Robinson Cano, who got one of these deals. Did not really work out with him. I mean, Scherzer, it's kind of worked out with him getting one of those $200 million pitching deals. But, I mean, we saw Arietta not really get the length on that deal that he wanted. I think his his deal was like three years, um, I think like 75 or somewhere in there. So, I mean, it hasn't really worked. But there's so many players who are unsigned outside of those guys. Mike Moustakis, Carlos Gomez, Carlos Gonzalez, Elcides Escobar, Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell, Adam Jones. I mean, like I said earlier, Harper and Machado. There's so many franchise-changing players out there that are yet to be signed, and I feel for them, honestly. I mean, you want to know. I mean, spring training's right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers are starting to report as soon as tomorrow. I mean, I think there's teams that have already reported for pitchers and catchers, and the rest of the players are reporting here soon. So, I mean, I'm ready, guys. We need to see these pieces hurry up and fall into place, and it kind of sucks that we haven't seen anything happen. I mean, Verlander's completely right. I mean, it's a detriment to the game right now. Then it just sucks that these teams are so uncompetitive lately. I mean, last season there's three teams with over 100 losses, and that's awful. The fact you could lo- there's 162 games in baseball season, you're losing 100 games. I mean, that's just bad. I mean, you can't believe that. 90 there was eight teams that lost 95 or more. I mean, that's just that's just terrible. It was the first time since 2002 that more than two teams lost over 100 games. So. The MLBs, I mean, the 162-game season, I still like the under, but, I mean, there's just way too many teams losing and tanking right now. You could pretty much, if you wanted to go out there and spend the money, you could go out there and rebuild yourself an entire new team. You could clean out the farm system and have a whole new team that's ready to compete. I mean, I think the teams in these divisions, there's some competitive, extremely competitive divisions like we talked about last year, like the NL Central, the NL East. I mean, 
the entire MLB, guys, has been it's competitive. There's some divisions, though, that have no competition. There's some that are overly stacked with competition. So kind of sucks. It's kind of like the Eastern and Western Conference. But at the same time, let me pull up the divisions right now. I mean, if you just look at the divisions from top to bottom, there's divisions such as the A's where that, I mean, not the A's, there's divisions such as the um, NL, such as the AL Central where that you pretty much have the Indians, then you had the White Sox, Royals, all these teams just losing so many games. I mean, it's it's, it's uncompetitive, but it's competitive at the same time. I mean, you're, the Twins at 70 were 78 and 84. That was second in that division. Then you had teams like the Royals going 58 and 104 and the White Sox going 62 and 100, so... There's way too many games, teams losing way too many games. I mean, they need to go out, they need to spend the money, they need to try to make it a little bit more competitive. I don't really have a solution off the top of my head for what the MLB needs to do to make it better, but baseball's just not been as fun as it used to be. I mean, I used to love it when that we saw all these teams winning games and we saw everything close. I mean, if you look at these other divisions like the NL Central, I mean, you got the Cardinals at 88 and 74. The Pirates weren't chopped liver either, 82 and 79. That's that's two winning teams right there that missed the playoffs. And you got the 95-win Cubs and the 96-win um, Brewers. And both those teams made the playoffs. They had the two best records in the NL. At the other, You can also look at it as this. I mean, you had the AL West. The Padres were in a rebuilding year after they kind of offloaded everybody. I mean, you had the Di- you had the Diamondbacks who went eighty two and eighty, barely missed the playoffs. You had the Rockies at ninety one seventy two who made it. You had the Dodgers at ninety two and seventy one who made it. And then I mean, you had San Francisco who had all those players, but they ended up just offloading everybody for the exact same reasons. They couldn't keep up, and it was time to rebuild. But they at least try to be competitive. I don't know why we don't see teams do this more. So it's kind of weird. It's just kind of like the NBA, how teams don't want to part ways with their talent and how teams want to take it out too it's a top it's kind of the the way that most sports I mean the NFL is really the only sport that's not like that where you're really it's really really heavy top to you know what I mean where it's like really heavy with the good teams and then it's really weak with the bad teams or there's like a big differential in talent I mean if you look at the NFL is really the only one the NFL at the beginning of the season everybody's looking to win I mean you go look at how everybody did in the NFL this season. I mean, you had teams like the Buccaneers who started off the season 0-2 or were down in the cellar. I mean, the Cardinals were never really technically rebuilding. I mean, you had the the Raiders trying to win games, you know? Like, all these teams are trying to win games, but at some point in the season, you're just like, all right, we can't win games. It's time to pack it up. I mean, even the Jets, they won week one. So, it's not like teams are just trying to rebuild from week one. They at least try to go out win some games, but then once they see it's not really working out, then they're like, all right, let's tank it out. Let's rebuild. Let's bring in the talent. So the MLB needs to do something to fix it. Look, I've said I don't have a problem with tanking. I just think that they need to find a way to get these guys paid and get them their money. I hate it when that we don't see these guys getting the money that they deserve. I like seeing the MLB stars get money. I mean, everybody wants to see the stars do stuff, and I'm a big fan of catering towards the stars. I like to see the stars win games. I like to see the stars do their thing. So I want to see the stars get paid. I want to see them get their money. So... Hopefully the MLB figures out a way to fix this where we can see these players getting signed before uh, spring training rolls around. I mean, I hate this that Harper and Machado haven't gotten haven't gotten signed yet. It's kind of stopping up the whole market. But we'll move on from there, and let's talk a little NFL draft here. So it's kind of a big deal here, guys. I mean, Kyler Murray he just said he's going to the going to the NFL. Look, I've I've been a guy. I like Kyler Murray. I've been a big Kyler Murray fan. He's my favorite player to watch in college football this season. I mean, I didn't have a whole lot to look forward to being a Florida State fan. We were pretty bad this year, but Kyler Murray he's a fun player to watch this year. Obviously, he decided to go to the league. Look, I know I said that I thought he should go to the MLB. I don't have a problem with what he's doing. I'm not going to talk about that today. What I'm here to talk about is who should be taken as the first quarterback off the board. Interestingly enough. So there's lots of guys that people like. There's so many different prospects, but 
personally, if I have the first pick and I need a quarterback, first off, let me say this. Arizona is um, not taking a quarterback with their pick. It's not happening. I mean, they literally said they signed Cliff Kingsbury to cater to Josh Rosen. I mean, you can't sign this guy because he relates well to Josh Rosen and then trade him. I know I heard people say today that they should trade him to the Patriots because the Patriots liked him and go out and and get Kyler Murray with the first pick. I'm not a fan of that move at all, personally. I mean, you can, literally can't sign somebody solely to work with your young quarterback than do it. I would say, though, that Kingsbury and Rosen are tied together. Both their successes are tied together with each other. Now, we're coming off a season where we've seen a lot of success with these with these lesser paid quarterbacks, whether it's Goff, whether it's um, Lamar Jackson, whether it's Baker Mayfield, whether it's um, shoot, draw, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, whether it's it's any of those guys. I mean, we saw most of these teams that made the playoffs not paying a lot of money to the to their quarterbacks. Even the Eagles with Carson Wentz, they're not paying a lot of money to him. They're paying more money to Nick Foles, oddly enough, than they were to Carson Wentz. So, I mean, it's definitely teams are going to be looking to go with these with these younger quarterbacks and try to build teams around these younger quarterbacks. Well, I hate to break it to you guys. I don't really think that this draft is going to work like that. I like these quarterbacks in the draft. I just don't know if you can build your franchise around him. Um, I know the current draft order right now, that when you look at everything, I mean, Arizona and San Francisco pick at one and two. They're currently locked in with what that they have. I don't think that either of those teams are going for quarterbacks like I just said. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is a beast, man. They're not looking to move from that. Number three, we have the Jets. They just drafted Sam Darnold. They're not going for a quarterback. Number four, the Raiders. They kept they kept um, Derek Carr on their roster long enough to get his big money. They have all these draft picks throughout the draft. I highly doubt the Raiders can do it. Number five, the Buccaneers. Do I think they're going to get one of these quarterbacks? No. I think Jameis Winston, the gunslinger he is, he can thrive in the Bruce Arians system. I mean, shoot, Bruce Arians made Carson Palmer look good. Look what he did for Andrew Luck to get him off the ground running. Look, I love the story that Chuck Pagano was overcoming cancer and everything. That was a great heartwarming story in sports. It was one of the better stories that sports had, period, that entire season. But they made the wrong decision letting Bruce Arians go. He's an offensive and quarterback guru. If anybody's going to turn things around with Jameis Winston, it's a veteran like him, not some young coach like a McVay or like a Kingsbury. I mean, I think McVay is one of those kind of exceptions. Like I've said, like LeBron and stuff. You don't really see a lot of these young coaches come in, be successful. It's the older guys who know what they're doing that come in. Like look at Nagy and um and uh and shoot, why am I Mitch Trubisky? I'm so, I'm sorry, Trubisky. I keep drawing a blank on your name. They did a great job together this year. I mean, Nagy did a great job developing him. Shoot, he got him to the playoffs and Trubisky had a great season I think Trubisky still will be a successful quarterback obviously I wish he was a little bit better of a pocket passer but he's clearly shown he can win with that defense all he has to do is put enough points up to win games because that defense is going to get the job done for him um, also Patrick Mahomes I mean I don't even know how I could forget him him and Andy Reid together I don't know how I forgot it when I was listing out all these young quarterbacks I mean none of the highest of the top five highest paid quarterbacks in the league made the playoffs so that's still an interesting thing looming around there um, at number six, we have the New York Giants, who could probably take a quarterback off the board. I mean, I'm not going to lie, it's the hot pick. I think they do take Dwayne Haskins here, but we'll, I'll get to it in here in a second of who I think should be the first pick. Number seven, we have the Jags. I think Kyler Murray would fit great there. Number eight, the Lions. They're going to stick with Matthew Stafford. He's very highly paid. Number nine, Bills just got Josh Allen. Number 10, the Broncos. They got a lot up in the air there. I could easily see them going for a quarterback. Number 11, the Bengals could go for a quarterback. 12 obviously the Packers won't um the Dolphins have said they would like to move on from Ryan Tannehill it's still up in the air technically on his future could easily see them being a landing spot Falcons we got Matt Ryan the Redskins they could use a quarterback the Panthers 
Um, Cam Newton could miss the entire season with a shoulder injury. I don't know if they'll go for a quarterback there. I mean, the Browns have a quarterback, Vikings quarterback, Titans quarterback, Steelers quarterback, Seahawks quarterback, Ravens quarterback, Texans quarterback. Like I said, all pretty much all these teams down the rest of the line all have a quarterback that were in the playoffs last year. So there's pretty much the only teams that could really target a quarterback in this draft at Tampa Bay, New York, Jacksonville, Denver and Cincinnati and Miami. That would be interesting to see if they try to target them in the first round or if they wait till later on in the draft. And personally, if I were them, I would wait till later on in the draft. I don't think it's worth wasting your first round pick on one of these quarterbacks. But at the same time, if Kyler Murray's on the board and I'm one of these teams that need one, oh, and Washington, I remember I just said Washington needed a quarterback. I could easily see one of them going for Kyler Murray. I mean, it's tough for me with Dwayne Haskins. Look, Dwayne Haskins, I think there's still a lot of question marks with him. He kind of reminds me of Big Ben in certain ways. Look, he's, I know people, I'm not, I'm not trying to be racist here at all. I know people say the typical like black quarterback, like they're always a runner. Dwayne Haskins is not really a runner. He's not that fast. He's more of a pocket passer. He likes to stand there and throw the ball. He put up great stats in college throwing the ball. I mean, he had Heisman Trophy. He was easily, I mean, he was a Heisman Trophy runner in there and he had stats, could, I mean, he had stats like, like all those other guys. He could easily made a case for him winning the Heisman Trophy. Dwayne Haskins put the stats up. I'm interested to see how he does in the NFL going against these better defenses. I personally think the Big Ten is not very good football. The conference was down. I will say this, though. Michigan's one of the most pro-style defenses he'll go up against, and he gashed them up pretty well. So, I mean, Dwayne Haskins can clearly play in the league. It can clearly play. I think he is an NFL caliber quarterback. I just don't know if he's a superstar level. Look, all these guys who came in last year, that was a stacked quarterback class. There's some great quarterbacks in there. I just don't know, guys, if Dwayne Haskins can can be that guy in the NFL. I don't know if Kyler Murray can. I personally side with Kyler Murray. I like the guy who shows me what they can do. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was first in the NCAA in passing touchdowns with 50, and he was first in um, passing yards at 4,831. I know some people think that passing yards is just, a, oh, they were losing. Well, Ohio State wasn't losing. They only lost one game last year, so that definitely ain't the case there, but... Dwayne Haskins played well against the most NFL-style defenses that he was going to play. Yeah, he only threw for 270 yards against Penn State, but he also threw for three touchdowns, and he came on big when they needed him. Penn State was a damn good defense, and he gashed them up big time. I mean, these other games against Oregon State, Rutgers, TCU, throw all those out the window. Tulane, throw all those out the window. I mean, he's still putting stats up against the most NFL-style defenses. He threw for almost four, he's four yards away from throwing for four touchdowns against Michigan. He threw for four touchdowns. Washington, they have a pretty good defense. He threw for 251 and three touchdowns. I mean, Ohio State was up the whole game. Washington came back at the end. It was like 28-7 to going into the fourth quarter. I remember I fell asleep and woke up. Couldn't believe they didn't cover the spread. I think they were like minus six or something like that. Could not believe it, but I mean, he gashed them. The Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern, not a bad defense. 499 yards, five touchdowns. Dwayne Haskins can be that pro-style quarterback. Look, if I'm drafting a quarterback in the first round, and I'm one of these teams, you know, I need a quarterback. If I cannot trade up or if I cannot draft Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray, I don't want anything to do with any of them. Kyler Murray is a different is a difference maker too. We've seen how he can change the game with his legs. Now we've also seen that running quarterbacks don't hold up over time. Kyler Murray, though, is a good passer too. He can pass the ball amazingly. He's a good, smart runner too. In college, he's not taking hits. He's quick. We saw him get down and slide. I mean, Kyler Murray played a damn good game against Alabama. I know he was losing. I know they were playing conservative defense. He was throwing the ball on him. Well, shit. Look at all these other quarterbacks that played against Alabama in college. No, almost none of them, when they are losing and trying to come back at any games, could throw for yardage on Alabama. I mean, 
throwing for Alabama was beating teams 56 to 0. They're blowing teams out. I'm not going to go pull up their schedule and tell y'all how bad they're beating everybody's ass because we all know how badly they did. Kyler Murray can clearly throw the ball. He played well against Alabama just because they were up big. I know I said that they let Oklahoma play with them. Oklahoma wasn't that good. Yeah, Alabama could have scored every single time they had the ball. They were just trying to run the clock. But Kyler Murray was able to move the ball up and down the field the entire game long. He did play good in that game against Alabama. I think he can make it in the NFL as a quarterback. Obviously, he's going to have to be smart. He's going to need to do some work. I've seen a lot of reports say, oh, well, he's been training to play baseball. Well, I hate to break it to you. If he's been training to play baseball and he's already that good at quarterback, think about how much better Kyler Murray can be. I believe in both these guys. If I'm a team that needs a quarterback, these are the only two guys that I would draft in the first round. Now, Drew Locke is another name that's being thrown around in the first round. I'm sorry. I do not want anything to do with Drew Locke. I know that Drew Locke, had the stats, he had this, that, and the other. Well, Drew Locke could not pass the ball at all under pressure. Under pressure, he folded. He's, his stats, his differentials between when he has a clean pocket and when he doesn't, I mean, it's literally night and day. He's literally two different players with and without a clean pocket. I am not buying in on Drew Locke with and without a clean pocket. Um, he had a decent game against that. I mean, Drew Locke had some decent games, but at the end of the day, if you're playing, like, you could say, oh, against Georgia, I mean, that game was at 12 o'clock. You really think Georgia cared about that game? They hopped out to a big lead quick, and they just kind of said, oh, whatever, do whatever you want, Drew Locke. It doesn't matter. I mean, Drew Locke had some bad losses on here. Like against Oklahoma State, he threw for 337, three touchdowns. I mean, that's not a good That's not a good one at all. Oklahoma State's one of those Big 12 teams. They'll just throw the ball back and forth with you all game long. I mean, against Tennessee, only threw for 257, two touchdowns. Yeah, they were winning a blowout at the same time. Let's look at a close game here. Vanderbilt, only 253, two touchdowns, two picks. He did have a good game against Florida. That was at Florida. I mean, Florida, though, is I don't even know what kind of team they are. Against Kentucky, he threw for 156 yards, had no touchdowns in that game, sacked twice. He had pressure on him all game long. I mean, that's one of those games where he just didn't play as well. I mean, yeah, he pieced up Memphis. Against Alabama, he only threw for 142 yards and touchdown and two interceptions. I mean, there's not really anything to write about there. South Carolina, he was 17 for 36 and a loss, 204 yards, two interceptions. I mean, those are the better teams he plays against. Georgia, he still didn't have a passing touchdown. He had 221 yards and an interception. I mean, it's not that great. He's putting up the numbers against teams like Wyoming. Uh, I don't even know who UTM is. I'm pretty sure that's like one of those University of Mexico teams. Wyoming, I mean, Arkansas, like teams like that. He's putting his better numbers up against. I mean, Drew Locke still didn't throw for four, over 400 yards in any of these games, except for almost against Wyoming and Purdue. I mean, that hardly even counts. And 350 against Memphis. I mean, have you, did y'all watch Memphis's defense? Memphis gave up like 50 points to Wake Forest. Wake Forest could barely even get 21 points up against an ACC defense. I mean, come on now. I'm not sold on Drew Locke at all. I would pass on him in all rounds of the draft if I needed a quarterback. Probably the third round would be when I would take a guy like Drew Locke. Um, the other quarterback prospects we have on the board here, people looking at Ryan Finley for NC State. Y'all remember how high I was on NC State. Ryan Finley is a bust and a half. I mean, he need, definitely needs to come in and sit behind somebody. I am not sold on Ryan Finley at all. NC State played worse and worse week to week. Ryan Finley put his best stats up against trash teams. I'm not sold on him at all. I won't even go from there. Daniel Jones is who I would have third on my big board. He's a bigger quarterback. I mean, he's got the... Body type, obviously his big knock is when he has to reset his feet. He's not as great. That's a knock on a lot of these other guys. I actually think Daniel Jones could have potential in a West Coast offense because he can throw the ball accurately short. He's not as great, though, when they take his first read away. So that's my biggest thing here with Daniel Jones, guys. I actually like Daniel Jones a lot more than I like a lot of these other guys. So 
I could definitely see that. Um, I would probably put Will Greer at four. I would move Locke all the way back to actually. I mean, I'd have Locke and Will Greer probably tied at four. Will Greer doesn't probably doesn't have the arm strength that you need in the NFL, but at the same time, Ryan Will Greer can throw the ball with accuracy and velocity. He just can't throw the ball well down the field, so that's always going to be the knock on him. I mean, Will Greer is mature. He's been through a lot to be able to do what he can still do. I like Will Greer. He played well in his biggest games, like that amazing touchdown throw at the end of the game against Texas. I mean. He kept West Virginia in that game against Oklahoma. Will Greer can definitely play him some football. I just don't know if I could draft him that highly, guys. I really don't know if I if I could. I would look for Will Greer on the third, fourth round. That was kind of when I'd jump on a guy like him and Locke is that maybe late second round if you have an extra second round pick. I haven't really looked to see if you have those extra second round picks, but I only think there's two quarterbacks worthy of being drafted in the first round. That's Haskins and Murray right now. I would take Murray at first over Haskins, but... I think Haskins is a chance to be good in the NFL, as well as Murray. I also think they both have bust potentials, but I think they're more so on the safe side. I would say these guys. I mean, I would say these guys are more like eight to fifteen quarterbacks rather than than the top eight. Like I always say, there's an eight elite quarterbacks in this league. I don't think any of these guys are in that elite eight category. All right, guys. So that's all, that's all I got right now for y'all on, on the NFL draft. I'm gonna get more going on it. I'm gonna have some people on here, some former uh, college football players, quarterbacks, to talk a little bit more with me about these prospects and what they think about these guys moving forward. Um, I think a big talking talking topic right here is who is the NBA MVP. So we got lots of data here to back it all up. Y'all already know who I'm gonna say it is. I'm going with my boy, back to back years, James Harden. Um, I'm gonna give y'all though. You know, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate first before I go to James Harden. So, I'll go with the guy who I have currently number two in the race. And right now, at number two in the race, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. This guy is an absolute beast, the Greek freak. I talk about him all the time. And my biggest reasoning for him is he's the best player on the best team in the NBA right now. Look, obviously, the Warriors are the best team in the NBA. But record-wise, it says differently. The Bucks are currently 42-41. and 41. They sit atop the Eastern Conference at the number one seed. They have two less losses than Toronto Raptors do. Trust me, I'm going to bash on the Raptors later. I love bashing on the Raptors, so may as well do it later once again. But my biggest thing with Giannis here that is hurting him right now in, in order to be number one in the MVP race, look... He jumps off the pages at you. He's 7th in the league in scoring at 27.1 points per game. And he can't even shoot a 3-pointer. Giannis cannot shoot the 3-point ball at all. I mean, he's not a good shooter of the 3-point ball, but he still somehow scores as many points. So notice that teams try to play off of him. And I'm here to tell you all, that's probably the worst way to guard him. When you guard a guy who's that fast like a Giannis or Ben Simmons, you cannot play off them. They just get ahead of steam and come right at you and score more points. I think you got to play up in them and make them give the ball up. He averages 5.9 assists per, per game, so it's not like he's just scoring the ball. And this is where you all are going to be like, whoa, 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 what? Rebounding, he is sixth in the league at 26.1 or 20 or 12. Point, ugh, 12 well, if he's averaging 26.1 rebounds, it'd be like what 12.6 rebounds per game. The next closest player is Rudy Gobert at 12.8. So, I mean, he's right there knocking on the door, being top five at rebounding. He's barely sitting outside of it and scoring in that, but he's winning games. So, I personally have to put him at number two in the MVP race. I think he is really playing that highly of a level. Um, if you want to look at some advanced metrics as well. I like to look at advanced metrics. I mean, like I've said, advanced metrics don't say everything, but he is fifth in um, 
RPM currently, which is real plus minus, which to, in my opinion means a lot. Wins above replacement. Giannis is sitting at seventh. So, I mean, he's doing a lot to help this team win and this Bucks team to be as good as they are. Him and Mike Budenholzer have worked great together. Like I've still said, I really think the Bucks can be that good if they can get like one more star shooter. I like Bledsoe. I'm just not a huge fan of him in that sense. So, that's that for him. I have him at number two. I have this guy right now at number three. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate for him as well, and that is PG Paul George. Look, I said that I thought the Thunder were going to be really good this year. I was right about that. Where I was completely wrong, well, actually, before I go to where I was completely wrong, one other thing I was right about with the Thunder is I said, what have I been telling you all? all the time. The Thunder will be successful when they get rid of Carmelo Anthony and use the salary that he takes up on their team to get more depth. Dennis Schroeder, a guy's having one of the best seasons of his career. Jerry and Grant have one of the best seasons of his career. Steven Adams, not as great, but still, Steven Adams is a rock for them in the middle. They can't win without him, but this Thunder team is on fire, and it is because of Paul George. I know I said he was a... I, I said he was a beta. I was completely wrong about Paul George. He just needed to get back and groove from his injury. Paul George is leading the league in wins above replacement at 14.17 right now. His real plus minus has him sitting at second in the league at 8.6. The only guy in front of him is James Harden. James Harden second to him and wins above replacement at 13.26. So about one win separating the two of them. It's basically like war for baseball pretty much. I mean, guys, James Harden and Paul George have been doing crazy things for their teams to win. I mean, Paul George, this Thunder team, guys, they are absolutely killing it right now in the Western Conference. Killing it. Like I told y'all, this Thunder team would probably finish second. I mean, the Nuggets, I said they would be top four. I didn't think they would be as good as they have been this year. Year. Right now, the Nuggets are 38 and 18. The Thunder are 37 and 19. They've won four in a row, nine out of their last 10, just like the Warriors. Both these teams are on fire, and I attribute most of it to PG. I mean, he's just been getting buckets, guys. Paul George been playing out of his mind this season. Currently, he is tw he's averaging 28.7 points per game. That is third in the league. He absolutely deserved to start over Anthony Davis in the All-Star game. Anthony Davis might be averaging more points. He might be doing this and that. Paul George is winning games. Anthony Davis, you're way down in the standings. I don't want to hear it from down there. He's first in the league in steals. It ain't even like he's not playing both ways. Westbrook is, is second in the league in steals behind him. And you know who's third? James Harden. We'll get to that, though, in here in a little bit. Paul George is having a career year, and he's playing his best basketball yet with Russell Westbrook. Look, Russell Westbrook is the guy I picked to win MVP this year, and I was a little far off. I said it was either him or Giannis. I honestly didn't think James Harden could get better. I didn't said the same thing last year. I didn't think James Harden could get better. James, I apologize. You're my favorite player, and I completely underestimated you. You keep getting better night in and night out. Paul George has played in every single game this year. He's the best two-way player in the league. I'm not giving Kawhi Leonard a max contract. He's better than Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard misses half the games. He sits out every back-to-back. -back. He sits out four games in a row because he needs to rest. Go to bed earlier, Kawhi, if you need to rest. He's averaging 28.7 points per game. The most that I've he's averaged prior to this is 23.7, so he's up five points per game this year. Russell Westbrook has found ways to make this team better. Yeah, he's not shooting the ball well, but you know what he's doing? He's getting people involved, clearly, because Schroeder, Paul George, Jerry and Grant all having the best years of their career. Russell Westbrook is making other people around him better. Anytime he gets a triple-double, I know people say that he's getting trash rebounds. The Thunder are like 67-20, and 20 when or like 71-20. and 20. I can't remember the exact stat, but they're over 50 games better when Russell Westbrook is a triple-double, so obviously that has to mean something there. Paul George is only averaging 2.6 turnovers per game. That's his best mark in the last since returning from that leg injury that he had. I don't count the 14-15 years since he only played in six games that season. Pretty much a meaningless year for him. Uh, a couple other stats here for y'all about Paul George. His three-point percentage is the best it's ever been by far. He's never shot better than four than forty-one point nine percent. He's shooting 
45.4%, or sorry, field, on field goal percentage. Field goal percentage. He's shooting 45.4%. That's over 5% better than he has in his entire career. On three-point percentage this year, he's shooting uh, 41.3%. That is off the charts. He's hitting 3.9 field goals per, or three-pointers per game. His closest before that was 3.1 last year. So his three-point percentage, his three-point shooting is only getting better and better. He's doing it well at the free throw line. Paul George, though, has always been a great free throw shooter. I mean, he's the complete package. He's the real deal scoring. He put the team on his back the other night against the Rockets. I mean, watch that whole game. Paul George was the reason why they were able to win that game. I mean, if you look at his last couple games, he's been on a tear. He had 47 in triple-double. Him and Westbrook are doing things teams have never done. Two players with a triple-double last night on the same team. He had 45 the night before against Houston. He only has 27 against Memphis, but he only plays 32 minutes. Opposed to over 40 in those other two games. Then he has 39 against Orlando in a game where he used to play a lot. 36 minutes. 37 against Boston, a game he plays 39 minutes. I mean, Paul George is doing it all. 43 against Miami. Shot over 60% from the field. He shot over 57 last night. Paul George is doing it crazy efficiently by scoring all these points. He doesn't need a lot. I mean, yeah, obviously shooting 26 shots, but when you're hitting over 57% for him, who cares? Shoot all you want, PG. He's hit over th- over five three-pointers in his last five in his last five games and I mean, Paul George is playing out of his mind guys there's I can't say more about how well Paul George is playing right now he's having the best season of his career and it couldn't come at a better time I think the Thunder and the Rockets are the two biggest threats out in the Western Conference and that is where I'm going to get to my current winner I have of the MVP look I'm not saying this because he's my favorite player I'm saying this because he deserves it look I know my reasoning last year for Harden winning MVP over LeBron was he was winning more games you could say okay well Thomas you're being biased here to your favorite player the thunder and the uh, um bucks are winning way more games look i look paul george i think is a better case to be number one in that mvp race than or to be number one than i think that Giannis would over james harden look james harden the, my biggest reasoning between him and lebron is the stats are almost exactly similar so you're basically saying you have the exact same stats but you're winning this many more games your team is this much better so i can agree with that there well james harden has everybody hurt i mean chris paul's he doesn't have another all-star on his roster lebron had kevin love last year who was on the all-star team look kevin love was an all-star i don't care what anybody says kevin love wasn't chopped liver over there he was an all-star he made it on the all-star team guys i mean Harden has nothing else. It's just him. Capella's even been hurt. Capella, I think, is the best defensive big man in the league. I mean, he's one of the best. Field, he's crazy efficient with field goals. He blocks shots. He rebounds. Capella does everything. Well, you had to add Capella this season, guys. Harden has played better and better and better. I would say he's on the worst team out of all these guys. Um, he's at he's getting the steals. He's playing defense. He's third in the league in steals right now, two point two one. He's averaging thirty six point five points per game. Well, you could say, well, Thomas Paul George, he's three points. He's he's third in points per game. Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but James Harden's averaging um, seven seven point nine points per game more than Paul George's. That's a lot different than point one and a half. Or actually, Harden was averaging more points per game than LeBron was. It was only LeBron's totals were higher because Harden was hurt for five games. So I don't even want to hear any of that nonsense. James Harden is doing it all guys look he's breaking records he's having a historic season he if he gets an, if he scores over 30 points tomorrow he ties Wilt's record I don't think he'll be able to break Wilt's 65 I mean that'd be crazy to think that he could or 61 to see think that he could get 62 30 plus point games in a row but 
36.5 points per game. That's more than Kobe averaged in his best season. That's the most we've seen in the 2000s, 36.5, 7.8 assists, 6.7 rebounds. I mean, James Harden is doing everything. He's getting everybody involved on his team. And you know what was another reason why I picked Harden last year? He was more efficient than LeBron is. And you know what? He's just as efficient now. His real plus nine is 8.21. That's the best in the league. His win share, the second best in the league. Harden is doing everything to make this team better. I mean, every single possible way you could make a team better. He's doing his offensive rating. He's first in the league. Paul George is fifth. I mean, Harden's doing it all. I mean, even has a positive defensive rating still. I mean, most of the guys, though, who have positive defensive ratings, I will give Paul George this. His is way harder than Harden's. But, I mean, do you really want your best player wasting their time and risking getting in foul trouble on the defensive end? No, you don't. James Harden's a one-man show. He's like the one-man army perk in Call of Duty. He does it all by himself. He's like... He's like that that movie you watch where there's the one character, like Terminator. He's like the Terminator. He's the overpowered guy who's just overpowering everyone. He's like Superman, except we don't know what his kryptonite is yet. I think James Harden is finally getting to his best he can play. This is his ninth year in the league. He's now 29 years old. He's in his prime. I mean, it took LeBron until I believe he was 27 or 28 to win a championship. Unfortunately, though, for LeBron, he didn't have to go through the best team in the league. That's what everybody needs to stop and realize is he has to go through the best team in the entire NBA. So, I mean, at the end of the day, guys, this run the Rockets are on, the way Harden's been playing, this Rockets team, they're getting healthy at the right time. They're only going to keep getting better and better. As of right now, James Harden is my first half of the season MVP. We have the All-Star game coming up, probably my next podcast. I'm going to talk a little more NFL. Hopefully, Harper and Machado will sign so we can talk about that a little bit. But I'm going to talk mostly All-Star weekend, and I'm going to give out my midseason awards. So be on the lookout for that. But I appreciate y'all tuning in. Sorry it was just me today. I'm going to have somebody on later on in the week to talk with me. Brett's been out of town. But I appreciate everybody tuning in, listening once again. I'll get at y'all later on in the week. Um, follow me on Twitter, at takes with TP3. On Instagram at TP3, underscore NBA, underscore bets. Just went 4-0 on max plays last night. It's big time profits. Let's get after it this week, guys. Appreciate y'all tuning in.